Well, hello, and welcome back to another scary edition of Ghost Stories Told from the South. I am your host, Stephen LaBooth, and I got some skilly, skilly stuff for you today, boys and girls. <laughs> All right, man, I'll quit being a creepy dork. All right, man, we got a good show for you. Going to cover in the asylums more. But since next week is Thanksgiving and my show comes out on Saturday, I'm going to do a Thanksgiving special that I'm going to look into this week. So be ready for that. And it will be on Saturday morning when you get up. Sorry, this one wasn't. I should have done it last night, but me and the kids made a uh, fire in the back last night and... Cook some hot dogs on the old bonfire and did some s'mores for dessert and told some stories. So yeah, I did a little family time last night instead of recording like I should have. But hey, I'm here this morning, ready for you guys. But we got a good show. Like I said, going to cover more asylums. And then I got a Thanksgiving special I'm going to do for next week. But I just want to say thank you guys for listening. Everyone around the world who listens, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. And please, please, guys, put some five-star reviews for me or four-star reviews on your uh, thing there, wherever you get your, uh, wherever you get to hear my podcast, leave me uh, some, leave me some uh, four or five stars if you don't mind. Tell me if you like the show. And here is my email. It's all lowercase. Ghost stories told from the south at gmail.com. I'd love to hear from everybody around the world who really listens to my show and likes it. And if you don't, tell me. If you do like it, tell me what you do and don't like about it. I've been doing this for almost um, four years now, guys. So I need some... Uh, I really like interacting with the fans. So... Go find me on Facebook, Ghost Stories Told from the South. You can get a hold of me there. But yeah, let's start inter intertwining with each other. Really want to get to know my audience, especially uh, some of the people around the world and the people in the United States that listen. So please do that for me, guys. And thank you so much for listening. The numbers are getting bigger and bigger. I haven't had a chance yet because basketball season started and my son's Always in sports, so. But I'm really looking. I'm really gonna focus on trying to get uh, my editing stuff done, so I can get back to putting stuff on my YouTube page. So don't forget, check that out too. But uh, yeah, guys, just want to say thank you and please, man, send me some messages. Let's. Uh, like I said, if y'all have stories, I'll talk about them. So yeah, but here are. What we're going to go over today, going to go over the Kanjami Hospital in South Korea, the Lyre Skyhus in Norway. I hope I didn't butcher that up. Then we got the Royal Hope Hospital in Florida. Then the Tranquil Hospital in Canada. All right. So let's do the first one. What do you say? 
the Conjam the Conjam Asylum in South Korea. The asylum is located in South Korea. It has granted much attention and interactions over the years due to its eerie atmosphere and chilling mysteries. Serving as its inspiration for the 2018 South Korean horror film, Conjam Haunted Asylum, directed by if I butcher its name, I'm sorry. Kong Bong Ching. The abandoned hospital has become a popular destination. Okay. A popular destination for thrill seekers and horror, horror enthusiasts alike. The film centers around a group of six thrill seekers. In six, oh wait, six. Uh, the film can. The film centers around six individuals who decide to do a live stream. To live stream their exploration of the uh, hospital. Only to find themselves facing terrifying paranormal experiences. As the story unfolds, viewers are left on the edge of their seats. Wondering what dark secrets lay hidden within the walls of the once functioning psychiatric hospital. However, however, the reality of the asylum is just as murky as the fictional narrative rumors presented that the asylum's director was a satanic individual who tortured and killed his patients before disappearing without a trace. Yet there is little evidence to support such claims, leaving, sus leaving suspicious and believers alike in a state of uncertainty, 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 and curiosity. With its chilling background and eerie embracement, the asylum remains a captive, captivating mystery in capturing the imagination of those who dare to uncover its secrets. Here is the history of the asylum. The history of the asylum dates back to 1961 when it was built near Seoul in the city of Guangzhou. Sorry if I'm fucking these names up, man. Known for its expansive, expansive three-floor faculty, the asylum housed patients who needed psych psychiatric care for ver various mental health issues. However, in 1996, the owner passed away due to local authority con conflicts his children opt not to take over the institution. As a result, the asylum was uh, abandoned. So basically what happened, the guy that I guess owned it and ran it passed away. And his kids didn't want to keep it going, so they shut it down. 
over the years, the building began to uh, deteriorate as one took re- as no one took responsibility for its upkeep or restoration. Eventually, in 2018, the Dillon structure was demolished, putting putting an end to the once threatening mental healthy uh, health faculty. Although numerous urban legends and myths grew around the abandoned asylum, most of the tales were unsubmitted with no police reports or family complaints to verify them. So basically what they're saying is there's these stories out there, these legends, but there's no hard evidence to back them up. But in a lot of asylums, they didn't keep records on exactly everybody who died or everyone that had something bad happen to them. So it's it's one of them things that you don't know if it's true or not. Over the years, the building began to de- uh, deteriorate as no one took responsibility for its upkeep or restoration. Okay, I already read all that. Legends, myth, tales were... Furthermore, the patients from the asylum were successfully transferred to a hospital in Yukin in Yongin after its closure. Despite the myths and rumors, the true story of the asylum is one of the one of a neg- neglected in- institution that fell into disappear and became a historical building in South Korea. Here, the next uh, thing we're going to talk about is the establishment of the place and the abandonment. The asylum once suited in Gowonji, Seoul, South Korea, was rumored to be one of the most haunted places in the country. Established in 1961, its spiraling three-floor faculty was known to house patients with mental health issues. However, the asylum was abandoned in 1996 after the owner's death and difficulties encountered by its children with local authorities. <clears throat> Over the years, the building began to deteriorate, which undoubtedly led to the dem- dem- de- de- demolition in 2018. <sighs> Countless myths and myths surround the asylum, including tales about cruel treatment of patients, mysterious deaths and deaths and mad doctors conducting experience experiments. Despite these claims, there is no document evidence to support them, although the asylum certainly had its grim past. It was primarily abandoned due to economic downturns unsanitary conditions, and problems with sewage disposal systems. Debunking the paranormal stories did not prevent tourists, ghost hunters, and filmmakers from visiting the faculty. faculty. In fact, of course, already covered this. They made a movie, blah, 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 blah. All right. Many asylums around the world have had a dark past, particularly in the 20th century, when it comes to the treatment of patients. 
This led to numerous urban legends and stories about mysterious and horrifying incidences such in such situations. One of the main reasons for these legends is the inhumane treatments used on patients, such as lobotomy. Of course, I've already told y'all what that sick thing was. I can't believe people actually thought a fucking lobotomy would work. And and electronic uh, therapy, which meant they shocked the piss out of you to get you to fucking act right, which was stupid too. These met these methods were widely used in the past to cure mental illness, but they often caused more damage and even death. Adding to this gruesome technology is the fact that the asylum were, asylums were generally closed off to the public, making it difficult for outsiders to know the exactly excuse me exactly what went on within the walls. This isolation provided ample opportunities for the abuse and neglect of patients to go unnoticed. Gone are the days when these cruel treatments were the norm. Modern-day psychiatric hospitals hold themselves to a much higher standard of care. Focuses on the untesling human and evidence-based therapy theories while urban legends about the asylum in south korea contain to circulate many of these stories are not based on factual data instead these horrific 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 (coughs) details often stream from the terrifying history and nature closed off establishments where mentally ill individuals were subjected to inhumane treatments. Today, these stories serve as a constant reminder, reminders of the importance of politicizing mental health care. Now we're going to go over some of the myths about the asylum. There are, a num- there are a number of myths associated with the infamous asylum. An abandoned psychiatric hospital near Seoul, South Korea, over the years, its airy location has been the center of many urban legends and ghost stories. Many believe that the asylum witnessed cruel treatment of patients resulting in numerous unexplained deaths. Some say that the faculty was ran by mad doctors who conducted inhumane experiments on the patients, leading to even more deaths. Other tales include stories of hospital employees being found dead under mysterious circumstances, followed by the suicide of hospital directors and owners' disappearance before its closure. However, it is important to note that there is no factual evidence supporting these claims. No official records or patient records investigations into the deaths or complaints about the asylum's staff exist. In reality, the patients were transferred to another faculty after it closed 
and the owner passed away due to illness. Okay, that's the third time they've mentioned that in its story. I think we know that. As far as the portrayed ghost in supernatural occurrences, these accounts are subjective and open to inner inter, interaction. The spooky atmosphere of the crumbling and abandoned asylum and the uh, functions with the unknown could be the contributing factors to these tales. While these myths make Captive the imagine captive captivate the uh, imagination in the in and install fear. They remain unverified and specul and and speculative speculative in nature. <clears throat> Despite the numerous legends and rumors surrounding the asylum, through investigations in, into the alleged mysterious deaths of patients and staffs at the institution, have re uh, revealed no concrete evidence to support such claims. First and foremost, there are no official reports filed by relatives or any other individuals at the local police station recording mistreatment of patients at the asylum or mysterious deaths occurring on the uh, premises. However, after the closure of the institute, all the uh, asylum patients were safely transferred to a hospital. Hey, it's the fourth time it's talked about that. They were transferred to a hospital in Yongin. Furthering debunking the myth that numerous patients had died at their weird circumstances. As far as the asylum director and owner, both faced circumstances that led to their departure from the institute. The owner passed away due to illnesses. That's the fucking fourth time you've told us that. And the director moved into work elsewhere. Sadly, it seems the chilling tales associated with the asylum are fabricated, driven by people's factuation with the eerie and the unexplained. But, back in the day, though, they would do shit on people. Because there's a lot of people that got dropped off the, uh, these asylums that had no direct kin, and that's the ones that they would do these special experiments on because they knew nobody would miss them. Not trying to be mean and <clears throat> say human life doesn't matter because it does, but, you know, if they got somebody in there that no one gave a shit about in the outside world, they could do what they wanted and nobody would know. So that's why I say you can't sit there and say that nothing ever happened at the hospital because it's not on record. Because that don't mean shit. Anyways. Now we're going to go farther into this shit. Contrary to popular myths surrounding the asylum, the reality of the director's owner, owner's lives were quite different. The owner of the hospital passed away. Oh my God, that's the fucking, fucking sixth time you've said that. 
Okay, we know that made the hospital close because he died because of illnesses. Instead of being involved in the mysterious and sinister events often associated with the asylum, the owner's children simply did not wish to continue working in the hospital due to difficulties with local authorities. As far as the hospital's director, rather than communicating suicide, committing suicide, as some stories would suggest, he actually went to work in another location after the closure of the asylum. There were no formal complaints or concerns about his work while he was at the asylum. And the rumors are cruel treatment and unexplained deaths have not been submitted in fact. Following the closure of the asylum, all patients from the gun... Oh my God, they were transferred? Yes, we know this. Why do they keep repeating this shit? Okay. Now we're going to talk about the existence of the ghost at the uh, place. The existence of ghosts at the uh, infamous asylum has long been a topic of debate and intrigue, intrigue among paranormal investigators and spectacles alike. Over the years, numerous urban legends and spooky stories have emerged, have emerged claiming that the abandoned asylum is teeming with supernatural activity. The spirits of the former patients and staff who tragically lost their lives within the walls, which <clears throat> I would probably say this place is haunted, being that some of the stuff that went on there that no one knew about. However, closure, a closer examination of the surrounding myths and stories reveals a Distant, a distant lack of concrete evidence to support these claims. The absence, oh my God, the absence of report files, da, 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 da. Why do they keep repeating themselves? That's the fucking fifth time they've told us that there's no recorded evidence. Oh God, and then, then once again, they talk about the owner and how... This pisses me off. Anyways, there are stories of this place being very, very haunted. And as I keep reading down here, they just keep repeating themselves how, well, this, I mean, I don't, this is one story that pisses me off because they didn't dig in to any of the stories. All they did was repeat themselves in this one. So I'm very sorry. If this one didn't dig down deep and talk about the stories and the ghost. So I'm very sorry about that. Because when I'm going over these and uh, doing my research, I just kind of glance over them. Because I want to be just as surprised as you are when I'm going over this. So I want to make my reactions organic as I can. So anyways, we got a new another one now we're going to talk about. It. It's a very short one. So. This one is, hope I say this right, the Lyrskysius in Norway. It was opened in Norway in, 1990, in 1926. 
The hospital was known for the conducting for conducting experience experiments. Excuse me. On patients that certain around the testing of new medications. Excuse me. These medications were believed to be so risky that even the pharmaceutical industry of the time refused to test them on humans. Most of the places have been abandoned since 1985, yet some areas still operate as a mental hospital. Apparently, the current patients share their space with paranormal activities such as apparitions and noises. While trespassers claim to see ghosts and shadows, not many solid accounts are available about this place. Nonetheless, it is considered one of the most haunted places in Norway. Alright, sorry that one was short, guys. But a lot of these places, I don't, I can't find a lot of stuff on them. So, all right, now I gotta turn a fan on. Sorry about that. God, I'm gonna turn it off. Sorry, sound like an old truck trying to start up. <laughs> All right, let me get a little drinky drink. All right. All right, our next story is the Royal Hope Hospital in Florida. One of the oldest... One of the oldest hospitals in Florida, the Royal Hope Hospital in St. Augustine, has been an international part of Florida's history. Of Florida's history since it, it's originally, originally, <laughs> since its original building was con- constructed all the way back in the late 1700s. St. Augustine is the oldest city in Florida. It is no surprise that the Royal Hope calls Old City home. St. Augustine played an important role in the American Civil Civil War. While mostly under union, Union control, the city fell into Confederate hands for the brief period of time. Known as the Suppler of the Confederacy, Florida seceded from the Union and as well as one of the most popular, populated Confederate states. Two major Civil War battles were fought in Florida's soil. The Union sent ships to blockade Florida's ports in St. Augustine, Jacksonville, and Key West and Pensacola. This led to an eventual downfall of the Confederacy in Florida over a number of battles and skirmishes. St. Augustine has a long, intensive history in regards to the Civil War involvement. 
most importantly, that 5,000 Floridian soldiers lost their lives during the war, leading to the haunted, bloody-soaked soil of St. Augustine today. <clears throat> Near the Spanish quarter Near the Spanish Quarter Village in St. Augustine, the Royal Hope Hospital was formerly known as Our Lady of Guadalupe. Of Guadalupe. The Royal Hope Hospital was demolished in the early 19th century, but not before its tenure as a military hospital for over 40 years. From its earliest record recorded history, the hospital would have bandaged operated on and patched up the patched up and prepared thousands of dead or dying patients from these several battles including the Seminole Wars and the Crud Civil War habitations also occurred at the hospital. The modern hospital was built on the same ground as the original structure, which could explain the multitude of dark and meticulous hauntings experienced in the uh, modern times. During the reconstruction of the hospital, some truly disturbing finds were uncovered. When repairing an old water line, construction workers found the original hospital was built on top of a cemetery or, as some believe, a native burial ground, a burial mound. Burial mounds, what I can gather from it. Now, you can go look this up and probably get a better idea of it. But you know how we have cemeteries and people are got their own little area. Well, I guess these mounds, it's basically what it is. It's mounds of dead bodies that are buried in this, like, mound. Uh, American Burial Ground. As anyone can imagine, the dis disturbance of graves is a huge contributor to ghostly activity. At the hospital's countless... At the hospital, countless human bones were uncovered the more and more the construction workers dug. From the sheer number of the remains uncovered, it's likely that the original hospital was built on top of a Timacoan burial site. Sorry if I butchered that up, didn't mean to. Experts in the field of hauntings and spirits state that hauntings tend to happen in places where human feeling and emotions were focused. A hospital by nature a breeding grounds for this. this. This had led to a significant amount of ghostly encounters being reported by, by guests and staff of the hospital over the years. Here are some of the rooms and places that are haunted. The morning room was issued by family members of the dead to set in silence and remember their loved ones after saying goodbye. 
The room is filled with the hospital's priest's tools for blessing dead or dying patients. Disembodied voices are heard in this room, praying, sobbing, and moaning. And an unbearable feeling of dis of despair is also reported. The next room is the surgeon's office. This room is home to a spirit who likes to grab onto visitors' clothes and refuse to let them go. His grab grasp is described as a as freezing cold hard and forceful one visitor stated that she could feel a large hand creeping her clothing refusing <coughs> to let go the only way to shake it off was to run out of the room as quickly as possible likely the clinchy spirit did not follow her out Next room is the ward. Many of the beds in the ward are reported to move on their own. The beds scout out with force, or the bed scoots out with force and hits visitors in the shins, rearranging themselves overnight and shake them and shake from side to and shake from side to side. So basically, They'll screw a bed out to hit you, and they'll shake. The beds will be shaken from side to side too. And it hit in this area of the hospital. So, this area is pretty spookified and haunted. Now we're gonna go to the uh, autopsy room. This was used to. Oh no, it's the apothecary room. This was used to store medicines that would later be dismissed to the Royal Hope's patients. Oh, this is where they'd keep the medicine that they gave the patients every day. Reports of shadows darting from the wall to wall and the sounds of sobbing spirits are uh, common in this place. Other notable ghost encounters include a full apparition, clear and discurrent Carnival voice, a disgruntled voice, recordings, moving objects, unexplained bruises, and hearing disembodied voices. So you get a lot when you go to this place, and I'm still not done. There are screaming the words help, as well as words of Spanish origins. Orbs are also a popular occurrence at the hospital. And they often follow visitors around the hospital and even have been reported in visitors' cars as they leave. That's pretty dang creepy right there. Alright. Well, I hope you all enjoyed that one. That one was pretty good. I like how they broke it down. Now see, that's what I mean. That one... Got to the juice of the story and said what it was about. I don't get why the uh, other ones don't do that. But that one seemed pretty good. Now, let me get ready for our next story of the day. <laughs> All right, our next and last story is the Haunted Tranquil Sanatorium.
in Canada. The Tranquil Santorium is located in Cam Kamloops, British Columbia, Canada. And it was built in 1907 to treat tuberculosis, otherwise known as the White Plague. The grounds that the hospital was built upon were previously used for ranching before the British Columbian government purchased the land for the construction of the sanatorium. Originally, the faculty was named the King Edward V Sanatorium and served tuberculosis patients, especially during the peak of the epidemic. The British Columbia Society for the Prevention and Treatment of Consumption and Other Forms of Tuberculosis held its very first meeting on January of 1904 to begin the plans and fundraising necessary to build an institute of tuberculosis sanatorium. They soon discovered the property for sale, and after raising $58,000, they bought 600 acres from the family of earlier settlers, William uh, Fortune. They also took over the lease for an additional 2,000 acres from the Dominion government. Thus, Tranquil Senatorial was born with just a hop, skip, and jump stateside. You can express New York's... Oh, anyways. Don't regard I said that. This hospital opened in November of 1907. And by 1910, it could be... A, it could accumulate... It could house 49 patients and, and, ha, and have 12 employees and admits administration officers, and nurses. Eventually, the sanatorium had 360 beds, but half of those admitted to Tranquil paid for their stay. It cost patients about $55 a month, with the average uh, average stay lasting for 200 days. At one point, the hospital's history, patients were not allowed to open thrown mail and even were made to work without pay, which was seen as therapeutic. Food, money, and clothing and other items were prohibited from being brought to the patients from the visitors. As the tuberculosis epidemic spread throughout the 1900s, a small community formed around the hospital, aptly named Tranquil. The small town had garden had gardens, houses, a gymnasium, a farm, a fire department, and more. This was common with sanatoriums built in the Kirk Bride style, a design influenced by Dr. Thomas Story Kingbride, and a 19th century physician who developed a special type of design style for mental asylums, which are characterized by their batwing floor plan and sprawling grounds. Many Kirkbride asylums, like Ohio's 
Quillian Lunatic Asylum. And we've covered that, I believe. Operated as makeshift communities. For decades, the hospital had livestock gardens and farming fields. It also included an orchard, a dairy, a plant to generate steam heat, and a carriage shop. A large percentage of the labor carried out daily on the farm was done by the hospital's patients. Skilled laborers was seen by the Kirkbride plan as a form of therapy <coughs> and also econ economically advantaged to the state. In 1958, Tranquilla Sanatorium closed its doors, but it reopened in 1959 to treat those mentally disabled. It closed permanently in 1983, but briefly functioned as a destination center for young offenders until the 1990s, when its tonsure serving the area finally ended. In September of 1991, Compressed president of AA Foods bought the land to turn it into a resort and name it Patafo City as a reminder of its homeland. There were plans to place the uh, demolition of the site, but it, in, in reference from the government, in the uh, comparison. Owner unrelated 1997 court case prevented his idea from coming to function or to, yeah, coming true. This abandoned site of the sanatorium is now fertile land used for agricultural and it's known as Tranquil Farm Fresh. Except rooms and heritage tours are now offered to the old sanatorium. Some famous movies have been filmed on the land, such as The A-Team and The Firewall. Here are the mysteries of the site. People from all over the world have sought out to visit the asylum. Those interested in the haunts are reported, are reported there, said to be one of Canada's most haunted locations. The sanatorium has seen its fair share of death and dismay. Tuberculosis claimed many lives at Tranquil. Tunnels that ran under their property are said to have been used to not only transport dry goods to the hospital, but transport bodies out to the cemetery located off the property. And a lot of asylums did that back then because I could understand their theory. They didn't want the patients seeing all the dead bodies leaving in front of them. You know what I mean? So they would do it under the ground. This was better. This was believed to be better on the mental health of the patient still fighting the illness. It was thought that they should be subjected to seeing, that they should not be subjected to seeing corpses leaving the building on a daily basis. Visitors to the sanatorium these days come looking for thrills, but they are left much more than, than what they bargained for. 
Some Patreons experience disembodied moans and groans that are certainly not part of the historic tour given in the hospital. And others have been reported seeing apparitions wandering around the grounds as well as orbs fighting around. <coughs> flying around the property and hallways of massive structures. The hauntings at the asylum, reminiscent of the ones reported in the uh, Athens Ludicrous Asylum in Ohio. Oh, the Athens Lunatic Asylum in Ohio. Excuse me. Okay, now this is uh, what somebody else wrote, like reporting on it in a paper. While many deaths occurred in around the asylum, there's few truly stand out. One tells of a patient named Margaret Schilling who disappeared on December 1st in 1978. It wasn't until January the following year that her body was discovered in a long abandoned ward where her, where an autopsy showed she died of heart failure. She was found completely named with her clothing neatly folded next to her body. What the hell? She was found, I guess, naked and her clothes were found folded next to her body. Now that's weird. More interesting in the permanent stain that her body left behind, imprinted on the floor, unable to be removed by numerous cleanings. Her spirit is said to be seen staring down from the window from the room where her body was found. She has also been attempting she has also been seen attempting escape and is known to wander the building at night. Other former patients are also said to have stayed behind, appearing as full-bodied apparitions standing in the empty wings of the formal hospital. Disembodied voices, yells, squalling and squeaking gurneys, and strange lights and screams are also commonplace. It seems as if the echoes of this place of healing are still heard, regardless of the purpose of this site, what the site serves now. The energies from the patients in the past remain of the asylum and visitors to the former hospital today leave with plenty stories to tell. Wow. Well, guys, hope you all enjoyed this week's edition of uh, Scary Stories. Now, next week, like I said, I'm going to do something for Thanksgiving. Ew. I got something I'm going to start looking into. So, be prepared for next week. Going to be a good week. Like I said, guys, you can get this uh, podcast on any, any platform pretty much now. Got the YouTube channel. Look for me on Facebook, Ghost Stories Told from the South, guys. And like I said, I really, really, really want y'all to start kind of communicating with me more, leaving me some four or five-star reviews. Tell me what you think of the show. Uh, wherever you're listening to this, even on Spotify, talk to me. Leave a message. Leave me a star rating, something. 
But uh, yeah, guys, I'm getting close to doing this for four years, and I'd really like to grow, see it grow more and more, like it's doing. But here's my goal, though, guys. I really want to hit 200 members on Spotify or more before I end up going uh, to my 200th episode, will be, which will be the marking of four years I've been doing this. So I'd love to do this full-time and not work because I love podcasting. I love researching these stories. So you can help me out, man. Let this podcast grow. Just want to say thank you once again to everybody who listens around the world. That is awesome. Just thank you. Thank you very much. And uh, until next week, guys, be scary and uh, don't get too scared now. But this is Stephen LeBooth leaving. I will see you later. Y'all guys have a good one. Uh, Till then, love you guys. Be good, be scary. And like I said, let's get this uh, podcast really growing and really getting out there. And if y'all think I should maybe start coming up with some shirt ideas and sell shirts... Let me know, man, because you fans are the reason why I do all this. So I'd love to hear back from you more, but do that for me and let's set a go and let's get this fucking podcast up on a national wide listening to everybody that get everybody listening. But until then, guys, we'll see you later. Be scary.